Yes, hello, this is Kenneth Anderson's podcast, and it is the 27th of January 2021. The time is 2021, and it is Wednesday, and that's exactly the time. So, 2021, 2021. Now, let's just uh, step right into it. We, of course, is all in the same boat around the world. We are all under this uh, corona lockdown. But this is not the main cause of my podcast. It should not be that. It should be that I focus my mind on what is positive in my life. And I hope you will uh, also focus what is positive in your life. Because my podcast should be uh, to become not only a better human being, but someone who is happy and content with who they are inside, uh, who they are as a human being deep inside. And in order for us to accomplish this, it can be very difficult, especially in these uh, troublesome times we live in, because a lot of people are isolated. They live alone and they have trouble coping with living alone or not having contact at all with other humans. Uh, so isolation and loneliness is also a big part of, of my podcast because I also need to address the, the issues that a lot of people have. And of course I'm also going to try to be uplifting, <laughs> as I usually am, uh, by talking about uh, the book um, How to Love Yourself the art of loving yourself, because we have a tendency to love and care for others, but we tend to forget ourselves. We tend to forget the inner uh, critic that is constantly nagging us and constantly bringing us, bringing us down. And of course I have been explaining many times that through meditation, through counting our breath, uh, breathing, we can actually lower the volume of the negative critic inside of ourselves. And we can start having a more positive outlook on life, having a more positive inner voice. So, without further ado, let's just focus on the positive aspects or the positive voice in ourselves. We can tell ourselves that we are a very lovable and easygoing human being, that we tend to forgive and forget other humans when they step on our toes, that we are a good human being that wants to not only better our own personalities, but also wants other people to feel good around us. And by telling us this, by having an inner voice that is constantly uh, soothing us and telling us that we are, in fact, loving human beings that deserve not only our own love, but also others, we can start to move away from the negative path that many of us have taken in our lives. Uh, one of the main factors is, of course, the mainstream media. What we put through our eyes and ears greatly affects our mood, greatly affects who we are as humans. 
So of course, if we constantly is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we are constantly bombarded with not only positive things, but also negative things, that is going to affect us in a negative way. So realizing that can also be very difficult because if you analyze your day you, and you can see that you have spent five, six hours, eight hours on the internet constantly nagging and being a Facebook warrior, well then, of course, at the end of the day, you can ask yourself, well, am I more happy now than I was when I woke up? And a lot of people will say, no, of course not. So it's very important that we analyze what we put through our eyes and ears and say no to things that can affect us in a negative way. And we tend to focus on what can bring us positivity in our lives. There's a lot of self-help books, as I had explaining many times. There is also a lot of podcasts like mine who try to be as encouraging as possible who try to uplift people. Uh, and of course, I also trip and fall. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Um, so of course, uh, many times I can also take a negative route uh, in my talking abilities. And you can also, if you listen to a previous podcast, uh, be a witness to that, of course. Because I also is, I am also living in society. I cannot redraw myself from society, uh, but I can try to not let it affect me as much, the negative stuff that happens in society. There was an old uh, philosopher who once said, if there is anything that you cannot change about a situation, then why bother, um, then why bother you are wasting your time on it. Meaning that if there is a cause that you know that it is pointless fighting this cause because the end result is that you are not going to win, well then it's very simple. You have wasted a lot of time and effort on this cause. Of course, I'm not saying that we should reject someone like Gandhi, for example, uh, because he fought a good cause and won it and also was a beacon to a lot of people around the world. Another person is also known as Dalai Lama who also has a positive outlook on life and tries as good as he can to be a loving and caring person to whoever he meets around the world. So these positive human beings of course, can affect us in a positive way. And I would highly recommend you uh, study them and, uh, and actually read what they have been written. Of course, not Dalai Lama is not written, but he has had a lot of disciples who have written books uh, on topics that they have discussed with the Dalai Lama. And of course, also search for podcasts, which are um, up uplifting, which have a positive theme, which try to make you happy and content inside. So 
try as much as you can because we are we are all equipped with this one and I show you this because it's a it's a cell phone of course uh, and it has the ability to uplift us but we need to be aware of the pitfalls also on a cell phone uh, so finding positive podcasts around the world and there is a lot of them uh, many many hundreds thousands maybe even millions of people also I have now um, uploaded my podcast on the podcast uh, uh, site called Anchor and also uh, they have also distributed to it to Spotify so I am now also on Spotify and if you check the links in the description below um, especially on my YouTube channels and you can the, the link should take you right there to my uh, anchor and spotify channels i also have a mp3 where you can download the file and have it on your phone if you do not want to uh, if you do not want to uh, have the uh, the data um, on your phone constantly um, constantly communicating because I always turn my Wi-Fi and my data uh, off when I'm not using it. Because, well, you can take your uh, cell phone and try to get close to an FM radio and try to make it so that it is a bit scratchy, the radio, and try to take your phone close by to that radio signal and try to... Uh, disconnect and connect your Wi-Fi or your data and listen to the sound on that radio you you will be surprised it's because once it is your cell phone is communicating with um, with the satellites they are actually drawing a signal and I'm not saying it is bad for you but I'm not saying it is good for you you can decide for yourself uh, so I would highly recommend you download it on the mp3 and you can just erase it after you have listened to it. <clears throat> so let's just focus on positive aspects of life. Of course under this lockdown I have now lost uh, four jobs under coronavirus and I am close to losing number four. And, and, and that can bring us down, of course. Financially can also bring us down. There's a lot of things that can bring us down, of course. But using excessive uh, time on your worrying about it is not going to help. It can motivate you, yes, to search for a job even more. Yes, that is true but it's not going to make you happy uh, on the contrary it's going to sadden you instead so so holding at that to a minimum i'm not saying that you should uh, put your head in a bush or uh, in the sand and just say i'm not going to <laughs> uh, i'm not going to address the problems in my life of course you should do that uh, that's uh, that's basic knowledge of course but i'm saying that you should not use a lot of time on it because once you use a lot of time on it 
Well then, <laughs> you tend to worry even more. And it's not going to uplift your mood. Uh, something that you can do, and I have seen a lot of people do it, is walking into nature. Having, if you are unemployed or ha have um, trouble coping with all the time you have on your hands, you can walk in a fast pace in nature and then you also get a sort of like an exercise out of it. You get fresh air, you get a boost of the immune system. I've also included, of course, vitamin D and C. And of course, different kinds of herbal teas. I would highly recommend you also look into that uh, to uplift your health. There's also iodine you can use uh, supplements for um, so your your gland here in your throat uh, gets uplifted also. So you boost your entire body. Uh, you make it even more healthy than it was before. And that can also uplift our mood. Exercise can actually, yeah, believe it or not, it can actually uplift our mood a little bit. So that is also a piece of advice that I would give uh, that can help you greatly. But, but then comes the, the main hindrance of all humans, motivation. <laughs> Where do I find motivation to get up in the morning when every, th every day is a sort of like a groundhog day? It's basically the same and the same and the same. Well, now it's up to your willpower. It's up to you to write, maybe on a piece of paper, what you want to accomplish that day. Maybe you want to try, uh, try on painting. Maybe you want to start a hobby. Something that you can put your mind and effort into. And that will also greatly help you stay motivated to get up every morning. I am searching for a job right now, so I get up every day, seven or half past eight o'clock every day, and I turn on my phone. So I know that people can call me if they, um, if they have a job for me. Of course, I'm also calling them, uh, listening or trying to hear if they have a job for me. So, of course, we need this motivation to get up every morning, uh, to exercise, to bring our health to up to date, so to speak. Breathing exercises also, I would highly recommend you start meditating. And I'm not saying you should uh, become a Buddhist. I'm just saying sitting alone in a quiet place, counting your breath, can actually help you cope with the with the millions of thoughts that is running through your head. And of course, once you do that, well then, you start to calm yourself down. Your mind starts to calm down. And you start to search for the more profound things in life. Things that uplift us all. We have all in our life, I believe, met a human being that has shown us love and compassion and care and consideration. Uh, 
And that person, we want to get to know that person, we want to be that person's friend, we want to be there for that person, because that person brings us uh, some sort of sunshine in our life. So it's very important that we, if we have friends, we also make a gigantic effort into forgiving them when they fall, because we also hope they forgive us when we fall and make mistakes and say something that we might regret. We also hope that uh, it is vice versa. So keeping a friendship close by is very, very important. It is maybe perhaps something of the most importance. But what should I do if I am an elderly person isolated in my nursing home? I cannot visit family and family cannot visit me. Well then, it becomes even more difficult. But it is not impossible. We are not, as once said, uh, in the concentration camps yet. So we need to, uh, of course, that was not so uh, a funny uh, statement, but I believe that, and I've been explaining this many times, that if we allow our governments to bully us, it will end eventually in that, in that um, freak scenario in that hell-on-earth scenario. So, of course, we also need to fight back, of course, in a democratic, peaceful way, like uh, Gandhi did. I'm not saying he, he also made some mistakes, but he was driven by love to other human beings. And if we are also driven by love to other human beings, then we also are aware of the fact that governments is not there to help us. On the contrary, they are there to make us more sick, make us more down on ourselves, make us more miserable. Miserable. And you can see the result when you follow your mainstream media and that narrative that they are coming with. You can see that your mood is not so great. On the contrary, a lot of people are actually going uh, with thoughts of killing themselves. And of course, a lot of uh, people, unfortunately, have uh, have uh, luck doing that, or unlock, or you could also call it that. So we need to be aware of the fact that we have a great enemy. Of course, a lot of people will say, well, our greatest enemy is our own mind. Well, that is not... Uh, entirely true. The greatest enemy is what we allow to put through our eyes and ears. If we are not critical about it, well then the end result can actually be that we are in a, a sort of like a depression and that is not so good for us humans to be in. So cutting ourselves off from all the negative stuff in the world is number one, the number, the first step that we must take in order for us to take our own mind back. And once we have done that, now we can relax, now we can meditate, now we can focus on the positive things in life. 
One of the positive things in life, of course, is family and friends. Being there for them, showing that you truly care, picking up your phone and calling them and showing that you have affection for them. If you know an elderly person at a nursery home, it's very important that you at least once a week call that person up and hear how they are doing, showing that you truly care about them. If you cannot be there physically, you can be there mentally for them. You can be there through your voice. So let's just dive right into it. Let's just read out loud from this book. And of course, I tend to analyze the uh, author once we get going. So let's just change the scenes here as I usually do. Let's just take this one right here. And we have come to stop with the criticism. And I just, uh, was, it's a little bit big, this one. Why is it so big? Uh, where do we have this one here? The font is too big right now. Why is it so big? Ah, oh, that was annoying. Very, very annoying. Uh, why is it? Every time I start this, it is... Uh, <laughs> uh, let's just see here. Uh, let's just see here. Oh, yes, of course, this is not so good. I just stopped the video and I'll be right back <laughs> because it is uh, it is too big for me to read. Yes, and I'm back again. Uh, and I have found out what was wrong. So, now the font is so I can read it. It's called Stop with the Criticism. What if today was your last day on Earth? Would you still treat yourself the way you treat yourself right now? Most people's answers to that question is nope. If indeed this was your last day, you would most likely express more love, not only to others, but also to yourself. <coughs> if this is your last day, you'd probably throw away your thoughts such as I'm always such a loser, or here you are late again, or I should have seen it coming, what an awful mum I am. You would be easier on yourself. You would allow yourself to be a little more content with yourself. The only purpose of your self-reprimand, if there is any purpose, is for you to change in the future as a result of your reprimand. But what if you didn't have any future? What if this day was indeed your last day? Surely one day it will be your last day. So why are you criticizing yourself so much? Let it go. Let harsh words go. Let expressions of explorations with yourself become something of the past. Let all your explanations of why you are not as good or successful as you would like have been become old leaves that have fallen from the tree. Let it go. Even as I am writing this book, the voice of self-criticism comes to me often. It says, why the heck is going 
who the heck is going to read this book anyhow? And it's a bunch of ideas you put together and they're calling it a book. And it will be quite transparent to your readers that you don't know what you're talking about. Yep, my inner voice still can go off on a tantrum sometimes. It's still not where I'd like it to be. But it's definitely way better than it used to be. I can quietly tell it, thank you so much for your advice, but really, love, no need, I'm okay. And instead of fighting back like it always did, these days it says, oh, okay, then tell me if you need me. Also, as a way to practice what I'm been, um, I've been preaching, if you indeed think that I don't know what I'm writing about or that this book is a bunch of foolish ideas, then thank you. But what do you think about me or this book is none of my business. I love it. And I love myself. God damn it. I do. I struggle to get here. And I pat myself on the back kiss myself on the front and embrace myself on the inside. Give yourself permission to toot your own horn and don't wait for anyone to praise you. Don't ever criticize yourself. Don't go around all day long thinking, I'm unattractive, I'm slow, I'm not as smart as my brother. God wasn't having a bad day when he made you. Becoming a star. I recently watched an interview with Oprah Winfrey interviewed First Lady Michelle Obama. At one point during the interview, Oprah com commented, Yes, I believe in service. I believe in helping people. I want people to feel fulfilled and empowered in their life. And then added, But still, some days I think it's just cool to be me. The audience then laughed and cheered. Oprah's words may sound like she was a little full of herself, but her words came to serve as, as an inspiration for all of us. We all need to treat ourselves as if we were stars, as if it was really cool to be us. You may say, if I were Oprah, I would think it's cool to be me. But I think we all have things to be grateful for, and reasons to think we are quite cool. Here, let's do a quick exercise. What makes you cool? My turn. Well, I'm cool because I'm a really fun dad, and I do all kinds of fun stuff with my baby girl, Sarah. Your turn. My turn. I'm super cool because I dance pretty well, and I feel pretty free. Your turn. My turn. I'm cool because I have really a fine smile. Really, I have a great smile. Your turn. My turn. I'm cool because I dare to be vulnerable and express my emotions. Your turn. My turn. I'm cool because I'm just cool. I'm cool, the episodes of cool. I'm what you will find in the dictionary under coolness. I'm cool, 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 really cool, cool indeed, yeah. Your turn. Let's see you after that. My turn. I'm cool because I lead my life. When it was time for us to move to the north, I found a proper house for us to rent and signed the lease. 
even though Hales wasn't sure. Now she thanks me for acting fast, and she loves the house. That's pretty cool. Acting and daring to take brave decisions. Your turn. My turn. Well, we can go on for a while right here. Hello, for a while right. Here's my last cool reason. I'm cool because I am. I'm cool because I was born. I'm cool because I have this body to explore this planet with. I'm cool because I'm the outcome of this one daring sperm to hit this egg and make me. I'm cool because I don't need to find any reason why I'm cool. I'm cool because I am. Your turn. Now that we finished, why won't you go back and actually do this exercise? So, telling us that we are cool, telling that, that us that we, as humans, have a lot of success stories in our lives, and focusing on the times we were right and the times we dared to do things that were out of our comfort zone, we should look at these uh, incidences and cherish them and see them for what they are, opportunities to make us look cool. You're not a star until you love yourself. Directors, yeah, they've got to love their own philosophies, but actors have to really love themselves. If you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And I think as women, we really forget that. That was Jennifer Lopez, American singer actress. But you don't know my story. One of the thoughts you may have on your mind is, well, that's very nice for you, Jonathan, but you don't know my story. That's true. But quite frankly, if your story is what keeps you from blooming to be your whole self, then I wouldn't want to hear it. We all have stories. True, some people's stories are more difficult than others. Many people have to go through various forms of abuse, which definitely lowers one's self-esteem to the floor. It's really a huge challenge to overcome having experienced abuse of any sort. But I have to come to believe that everything we've been through was an inten intentional thing, that it's all part of a plan to make us who we are. My father hit me a few times. I wouldn't call it abuse, but it definitely wasn't something I like to remember, or that I intended to pass on to my own kids. For years I held it against him, and I was afraid of him to an extent. Nowadays I see it, though, as one of the most important things that shaped me to be who I am. I am one of the most sensitive guys you'd meet. I feel people's pain. I can easily relate, and I allow myself to experience and hurt with them. I think part of this gift was actually the negative experience of having my father go after me and slapping me in my bottom. It was painful, burningly painful and humiliating too. But today I think it made me part of who I am. When I was young, my mom would often burst out in shouting and yelling, often being quite unkind in her punishment. Uh, 
What was so unique was that I couldn't expect it. She was altogether a really loving mom, warm and nourishing, and yet at times she could be really mad and unreasonable to the extent I could convey I couldn't convey with her, but had to just be silent. This experience of my mom possibly having the possibility of having a sudden fit made me become extra aware. I tried to see in her movement and her face whether she was tired or bothered, which were the indignations that something was erupt. Sorry, something may erupt. I learned to watch her move, watch her facial expressions, her eyebrows, her forehead, even the slightest move of her lip, were they tight, tightish, tense, and how about her shoulders and her breath? I learned to be extra sensitive, and I knew to walk away fast when she was going to have a fit, and all of that when I was five years old or so. Years later, I was at the seventh grade and took part in the school's student council. We were students from the seventh grade all the way up to the twelfth grade, once we were given a lecture by a teacher who specialized in body language. She showed us different body postures with an overhead projector. There was many. She then asked us each time what did we think. Was this person A upset, B worried, C scared, or D surprised? Some of the slides were easy, some were more complicated. She showed us some twenty of them, including ones of couples. Were they resentful or loving, worried or hopeful? Each of us wrote the answers down after each slide, and at the end, the teacher told us the right answer and asked us to check mark, check mark the question if we got the correct answers. Now count how many you got right. I counted. She then asked, how many of you had ten correct answers or less? No one raised their hand. How about eleven? Two students raised their hand. Good job, the teacher says, and twelve. Few more raised their hands. The same was with 13 correct answers. Then for 14, there was only two people. Anyone above 14 correct answers, the teacher asked. I looked at my sheet, alarmed. It said 18. I said nothing. Yet Rienata, a 12th grader who was the head of the student council, sat next to me and glanced at my paper. Come on, she whispered. But I didn't want to say anything. Jonathan has, Ranet said triumphantly, he has 18 correct answers. The teacher looked frustrated and came and hovered about my seat. Wow, she said with a smile, that's impressive. Now let's go over each one and try to see what were the physical indignations of each state. Even today, remembering this lecture, I blush. We looked at each slide and she asked, what made us think the person was happy or sad? There were the obvious things, which everyone recognized, and then there were subtle things. The teacher was impressed with my soft-spoken comment. I believe it was due to having somewhat of a turbulent childhood. I developed skills that I link and attribute to the unfortunate circumstances of my mother's throwing in, in, incidental fits, 
Now, would I have preferred that those fits didn't happen? Probably. Am I upset by them? Not so much, not anymore. Each and every experience you had brought you to this moment. Each and every difficult moment made you who you are now. Embrace, embrace your whole self. Embrace all of your experiences, good and bad. Yes, you are right. I don't know your story. But author Lisa Nichols says, Your mess is your message. Make your story that thing that holds your back, the foundations on which you climb to become taller. It's up to you. Mayor Angley did it, Oprah Winfrey did it, and you can do it too. Rewrite your story. Actually, sit and write it. Find out all the advantages, big and small, that came from the fact they left you. Write down everything you learned from being estranged from your child. Write down why your spouse or first spouse was vulnerable to you nevertheless. Sorry, valuable to you nevertheless. Write down why that cousin actually did you a service. I know it hurts, but you owe it to yourself. Rewrite your story. Letting go of resentment. One of the greatest obstacles to us loving ourselves like we should is resentment. We think that if we let go of the anger and blame, we become collaborators with the perpetrator. Let's have a look at that. In the ninth grade, I joined Israel's most prestigious art school. There I majored in theater. It was quite an extensive program, one similar to that portrayed in movies, fame. We had dance lessons, voice lessons, costume lessons, makeup and mask lessons, and of course, acting lessons. The acting teacher we were given was Jacob. He was considered one of the Israel's greatest acting and drama teachers. The other teachers told us this fact several times. He was the founder of the street theater and performance movement in Israel. He started in France with the famed Shakit Lequit and was quite well known himself in Israel. The only problem was that he didn't like me at all. Jacob had strong opinions. He was a very charismatic man. Then, in his late sixties, he had fiery eyes, and when he said something, you believed him. For some reason, I wasn't his cup of tea. While most students got their charms of compliments, no leftover charms were handed to me. He thought I was too this and too that. He thought I was too sensitive. Not much of a young man for him. He marveled at some of the more mainly looking boys in the class and said, I can sit and watch you and melt from your fire. And then he'd look at us can't you? And we would all nod. Yeah, he's right, fire right. Oh, how I longed to be said I had any sort of fire. I worked and labored hard. Each assignment, such as watching a cat walk and later being able to mimic it exactly, I would go down to the street and look for cats, 
watch their every movement, then practice it in my room. Not that way, Jonathan, Jacob would exclaim, exasperated. Ex ex we had white masks on, with only the eyes showing. I looked at him. This was supposed to be a silent exercise, and we only now began. Why does he pick me to crit critique? I tried to say, but I started it. But my voice sounded thick through the mask with no opening for the mouth. Now listen to me, he commanded. Right hand forward, then left knee forward. Now left hand forward, now right knee forward. That's right. That's exactly what I did. Why did he have to? Why? Once I stood on stage alone, him watching me with the rest of the class, then he said, but you have no presence, no command on the stage, and he put his hand on his forehead in exaltation. What was so frustrating is that all the other kids adored him, even the students from the higher grades. They said, he may be tough, but wait till next year, everything will fall into place. Shira, my favorite teacher, said, Jacob is a genius. My students should feel honored to be studi studying, studying with him. Everyone nodded. I tried to approach him one before, once before class. When he saw my face, he looked tired. Yes, Jonathan, I, I said, I want to know what should I do to be better, to be a better actor. Jacob sighed and looked at me. The thing is, boy, that you don't have any presence. You are transparent on stage. I can see through you. I already heard that, but what can I do? Eat bread, lots of bread. Bread? Yes, bread. Now let's go into class. I walked after him, bewildered. Bread? Yet, no matter how much bread I ate, his attitude towards me didn't change. At the end of the year, he said, Students, I have an announcement to make. I will not be continuing with you next year. Everyone gazed. Me too. I was looking forward to seeing how he could put it all together, like I was told so many times. Diego will tear you apart to then saw you back together as a whole actor in your second year. It will all fall into place. We looked at him with amazement. But why? Some of us asked. Well, many reasons, he said. But you will be fine. They will bring you a good teacher. One day I will start where we stopped. To myself I was thinking, but I am torn open. You promised to complete this. The next year's teacher didn't know Jacob's heroicity of who was a brilliant actor and who wasn't. Somehow, by grace from above, he liked me. Slowly my self-esteem began healing. A few years ago I met with a friend from school, whom I haven't seen for a decade or so. We had coffee in a cafe in North Tel Aviv, and we spoke among other things about school. I was surprised to hear that she had lost lots of criticism at the school. Teachers exercising their authority is a wrong, in a wrong way, she said. I wondered what she meant. For me, the story and the emotions attached to that Jacob teacher were stuffed into a compartment in my heart, I was only tiptoeing around, afraid to awaken any old hurts. Well, do you remember how Albert, the choreographer teacher, used to light his cigarette in class, he asked. Oh yes, yeah, that was quite stupid. 
or how the musical director told us we are a bunch of useless amateurs and that we should fuck off. Oh my God, and don't get me started about Jacob. I looked at her. Actually, I thought I'd like for you to get started about Jacob. Back in the day, I could confide my pain in no one, and I hadn't really opened it or touched it since then. What do you remember of Jacob, I asked. He was just so, she was looking for the right word, cruel. Cruel, I asked. Was she not using a too harsh of a word? What? She looked at me, surprised. Don't you remember how he talked to you of all people? I do, I said. It felt so good to know that she noticed. It's nice to see that you took note. Took note? It was as visible as it could be. Do you remember that? Uh, comment he made about your sausage. I could not laugh. Sausage? Nope. Wow. She started. At, she stared at me. I can't believe you don't remember it. You were standing on stage in front of all of us, and he asked you. Michelle lowered her voice. Do you have a sausage down there or a hot dog bun? Wow. I remembered it. All of a sudden, it came to me. Jacob was not stupid. At the time, I wasn't quite sure myself. I looked at my and Michelle. I remember. Do you remember how it continued? I thought for a moment, no. Michelle sighed. Everyone became quiet, and he asked you again, do you have a sausage or a bun? You says, said a sausage, and he said, good. And then he said, now is your sausage, sausage, is your sausage interested in buns or in other sausages? I looked at Michelle. Oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Neither do I, Michelle said. We both sat there in silence. I tried to remember what did I answer. Probably that I was interested in buns, of course. Thinking of it made me feel a little sick to my stomach, and then a wave of sadness washed over me. I sighed. I remember how some of three years before, at the age of 25, I went to a meditation retreat. In it, the teacher asked us to forgive everyone who had ever hurt us. I asked myself then, who should I forgive? And then Jacob's face came before me. I said, I forgive you. But then in front of Michelle in that Tel Aviv cafe, I felt so much anger at this stupid old man terrorizing me in front of the whole class. Which answer should I have given him? I don't know. Well, I'm still struggling with this question myself, or, well, my last girlfriend told me I must be gay because I told her of this wet dream I had about me and an imaginary guy so. Michel looked at me. He was exercising his power over you in a way that was not okay. Yeah, I said. Now it's time to forgive. Really forgive. Follow me. I think the first step is to understand that forgiveness does not exogenate the perpetrator. Forgiveness liberates the victim. It's a gift you give yourself. And now we come to forgiveness exercise. Let's just see how long time we have left. Yeah. So this was a harsh story the author told us right here. And that had maybe, I would say, hurt that person 
given that person some emotional scars. And of course, it can be very difficult to forgive, uh, but that is why we have now the forgiveness exercise. So let's just start with that. Let's continue from where we stopped in the last chapter. I hope this inner dialogue I have with myself will serve as an example for you as to how to truly forgive. So, Jacob, I resent the fact that you abused the power and authority you had over me as a teacher. I resent the fact that you treat me, treated me badly, marked me as a student to pester and to taunt. I resent the fact that you called me names and treated me disrespectful. I resent that you did all that, that you abused, really abused your position as a teacher, a teacher I suppose to is a teacher is supposed to nurture, guide, direct, and you did not do that. You messed up, you failed in your task as a teacher. Whether philosophy you supposedly had behind your dumb actions and statesmen, I find it faulty. Students should not be put down in order to lift them up later. It's dumb. I strongly and admirably disagree with this method. It's wrong. Wrong. And not only did you abuse your power, you did it in front of the whole class. You humiliated me and terrorized me. Really, in front of the whole class? That was not fair. If you had any constructive critics, you could have given it to me in private. I resent the fact you smiled when the students chuckled. I resent that it gave you a sense of power and authority to humiliate one of your students less than half your age, less than a quarter of your freaking age. I am angry with your misguidance, with your snobbery, with how you implied all the time that you had all the answers and that we were just in our beginning stage. You did not empower me. You disempowered me, and I allowed you to do that. I strongly condemn your behavior. I strongly oppose your teaching method. I am strongly frustrated with your abuse of your power. In fact, I am disappointed with you. You had the power to lift all us up, up, up. You lift us all up to empower us, to help us see that even if one student is different than the rest, that we should love them and respect them too. You had a great teaching opportunity and you missed it big time. Kids are tender. I was freaking 14 years old. I was tender, soft, easy to mold. And you, with your unwashed fingers, molded a part of my soul into not really loving myself. I see the residues of your weak behavior in my system. I see how am I still afraid to see. I see how I am still afraid to seem feminine at times, just so I won't be caught by your unloving eyes. I see that I am afraid that I am not mainly enough, not according to your standards. But let me tell you, love, that I am a man just as much as you are. In fact, if I had to choose between being you or me, I would choose me. I don't need to pester other people to feel important. I try to accept each and every person, no matter how much I oppose some sides in them. I don't have to put anyone down to feel better, and if I catch myself, then I apologize. I am sickened by your unintelligent conduct. 
I'm saddened by how messed up you were. I'm appalled by your inability to distinct between what's right and what's wrong. And yet, with all of that, I choose to let you go. I choose to let your memories go. I choose to wash away your disrespectful comment, your maniac behavior. I choose to let it go. Jacob, I look into your eyes and I see a damaged man, a damaged kid who was not loved and accepted for who he was. I look into your soul and I see pain. I see anger and rage, and beneath it all I see pain. I'm sorry I took your pain with me. This is your pain. All I can do is show you love. Yes, I'm still a little afraid of you, but I choose to show you love, to send you love and healing. I understand that if you knew better, if you were more aware of yourself and of your own pain, you wouldn't have done what you did. I know that had you known better, you would have empowered me. You would have told me how great I am. You would have never implied that I am transparent, but instead told me that my light shined so bright in impairing your eyes. You would have told me that I am great, that I will go far in life. You would have told me I should take my time and experiment with girls and boys and not worry about anything. Let my whole self come forth. You would have told me, had you been bigger and stronger, that you see great talent in me, that I bring my whole self to the stage, and that you cannot stop yourself from loving me and wishing the best for me. I would have appreciated that. Jacob, I choose to release you for once and for all. You have no dominance over me. You hold no authority over me. I am now officially in this moment letting you go. I hereby forgive you for all of your wrongdoings. More so, I forgive myself. I forgive my 14-year-old self for having given you the power. I forgive myself for not seeing through your fighting and knowing that you too are scared and afraid inside. I forgive myself and embrace myself for not knowing that you were wrong. That being a true man means not to act in a certain masochistic way, but to act in a way that is authentic and continuous for each person. I choose to love all men, all people, masochistic, gentle, manly or, fe manly or fem feminine. Above all, I choose to love myself, my whole self. Finally, Jacob, well, let me thank you. I thank you for giving me this experience. Through this experience, I learned so much about myself and about life. I thank you for teaching me that sometimes being in a position of authority can make people a little drunk with power and out of line. It's a good lesson to know and feel pity for them for not being able to avoid the toxic element that may come with power. I thank you, Jacob, for doing this to me at such a young age, while I was still so impressionable. It may be realized, though, through my experience, just how tender and teenage soul I is. Sorry, teenage soul is. I thank you, Jacob, for opening me up to emotions of self-loathing and self-hatred. While I do not intend to use them, I am thankful for having experienced them and for having the contrast to know that I want to feel that I want to feel instead self-acceptance and self-love. I thank you, Jacob, for saying that I am transparent. In many ways, 
I'm, I've tried to defy your statement and your prophecy. I have worked hard and labored much to achieve things I hold dear to my heart. It may be that your statement has actually pushed me to go further in life. I thank you, Jacob, for choosing me of all people in the class. I would have really felt really bad for any other student you had picked on for your expectation of your self-loathing. I thank you because I could endure it. I did. I thank you, Jacob, for instilling a secret feeling within me that if someone is picking on me, that they might be jealous. I thank you for making me understand over the years that when people pick on others, it's out of their own demons and self-hatred. I thank you for this valuable lesson. I thank you for teaching me that it feels what it feels like when someone doesn't accept you for who you are. Through this feeling of being rejected by you, I developed a hunger to make everyone feel included and loved. And this hunger drives me to work, lead, speak, write. I thank you for instilling this hunger in me. I thank you for teaching me that I should never, never give someone else the power over me. It took me many years to understand it, but I now do. I feel pity for you, and I choose to feel pity over every person who made me feel bad as a means to bring themselves pleasure. I see through that. I thank you for helping me to see through that. I also wish to thank you for knowing when to stop. I do believe, now that I see your own wounds, that you could have carried on and damaged me even more. I appreciate that you did stop when you did. I bet it took some courage. I wish to now express the words of the child in me. I wish to take the mask off of me, literally, and to tell you, man, I feel so sorry for you. I feel pity for you. Look at you surrounded by kids, and for you to feel better about yourself, you choose to put one of them down. Man, that's so sad. I'm really sorry for you. I send you healing and love. I feel your pain. I apologize to myself for having given you, you little poor you, the power over me. What a mistake. I shall never let anyone have power over me. I shall know the truth in which we are all equal and we are all one. I release you from my dominion and I'm, am willing to accept you only when you, your intentions are pure. I apologize to myself. I love myself. I forgive you, Jacob. I see your pain. I do love you. I'm sorry for having judged you all these years. Sorry for me and sorry for you. I thank you for all that you have given me. May you be well, live a long and happy life, and heal all your inner wounds. Amen. So, you can hear that that person, the author, had a lot of resentment to that person who made him feel that way in his childhood. And of course, working his way through that can actually help cope and deal and forgive what has happened to him in the past. And we also must do the same thing with, with things that have happened in our past. We all have 
emotional wounds in our past. We all need to take care of ourselves. We all need to be aware that we can go on the other side and once we have totally totally forgiven that person uh, that has wrongdoer has been wrongdoing us in life that we can move forward and that we can as the author th- says not have anyone letting anyone have power over us that is very important so let's just relax and conclude because it could it, it is a bit it was a bit hard here in the end I, m- I must admit I do not read out loud uh, before my podcast so I'm not going to uh, I am as, as surprised as you are it is first time I read it so you could feel the resentment in that in the author's uh, in the author's pain that he felt but you could also feel that he had let that uh, thing go. So the the question is, can we let things go in our past that could hinder us into loving and caring even more for our fellow human beings? I hope so. I hope so that, for example, this podcast, now it's over the hour, and it should only be an hour, that there was something that you could take away from this podcast that you could use in your own life that you could try to work on so that you could also step over a a leap or a leap of faith or a mountaintop go on to the other side and relax your shoulders and be content with who you are. I know that meditations can can help us a lot of the way, but we also need to come to terms with the fact that we cannot change the past, but we can forgive and forget. So I hope this podcast was helpful for you. I know it was for me. I always learn something from my podcast because it is not only my own thoughts that enters the podcast, it is also someone else's. And this author you can find on the pdfdrive.com. It is called How to Love Yourself, The Art of Loving Myself. Then you can find it on PDF Drive, free to download. So I hope the podcast was helpful for you. I hope you could take something from the podcast that you could say, well, there was something here that struck a nerve in me. Here's something that I can work on with myself and then I can perhaps even forgive that person for the wrongdoing that that person has done in my life. So I am circling here now, now I can hear it. <clears throat> so let's just let's just uh, uh, shut this podcast down. So in conclusion, we need to be aware of the fact that our mood is greatly affected by what we put through our eyes and ears. 
and we need to hold that to a minimum. We need to analyze our situation. We need to analyze it in, in such an, to such an extent that we accept the fact that there are something that we need to cut off in order for us to to go on the path of happiness and truly uh, loving ourselves. So analyzing what we put through our eyes and ears is number one. Next up is analyzing what has happened in the past and accepting it and forgiving other people for their wrongdoing. And looking forward, looking forward to to loving and caring and showing loving and care for other human beings that we meet, that should be our number one priority. So, I can go on and on, but I have to stop this podcast now. So we, once again, I'm going to upload it one more time, a podcast about a couple of days from now, uh, once a Danish one and once an English one. So, this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. I hope you love each other and are kind to one another. It's the 27th of January, 2021. The time is 21.27 and it is Wednesday. Bye.